Hey, welcome on in. It is Misty Young and Jackie with you on another episode of Oh for the Love of Life. And thank you so much for keeping us company for this, by the way, because we always speak to, you know, interesting people who have a little bit more of an insight on things that we want to know more about. Absolutely. Welcome to the podcast. And this week, we had the pleasure of speaking with the chairman of the Speak Good English movement, mm. Jason Liao. Oh, for the love of life. It's interesting you mentioned work-life balance. Actually, mm. what I have really experienced is work-life integration. Mm-hmm. Um, in the past, when you were, we were all doing uh, five days a week in the office, uh, yes. that, that, that term never made sense to me, what, mm-hmm. work-life integration. It's work-work, right? Um, yeah. mm-hmm. But if you're working from home um, and you have the ability to kind of move Zoom meetings around, then you try sometimes... Mm-hmm. Um, to fit those meetings around what you want to do at home. Yes, mm-hmm. yeah. yes, yes. Um, uh, and, it, and so for the first time, I realized how work-life integration works. And I think the one good thing, positive thing about all this staying at home is as well, a lot of people got to do things that they never thought they had the time to do. They finally got to pursue their passions. Uh, I don't know if you you know picked up anything new or like you said, maybe you spent more time exercising, riding your bike and stuff like that. But yes, that's a really good uh, term to use, mm-hmm. work-life integration. Yeah, yeah. Well, I rediscovered... Um, I found time again for cycling. I always mm. knew I love the wind in my hair, right? <laughs> the, the, the breeze. Yeah. <laughs> and just, just going around um, uh, to quiet nooks um, mm. in, in Singapore. I, 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 I really love nature. Right. So, and the bike uh, gets me, puts me in touch with nature. Um, I, it, it gave me the time to do it. Mm. Um, I don't think I... I don't think I found time to, unfortunately, to pursue new hobbies. Right. But it's the year end. Um, <laughs> um, but I mean, what it has done is re- made me realize how much I've been working and now I want to take time off the year end. <laughs> uh, so, so I am going to do a couple of, I try and do one or new, two new things a year. Mm. Um, so this year, I just started, you know, Duolingo gives you the ability to learn languages. Wow. I just started uh, uh, learning, setting, doing 15 minutes or 30 minutes a day, uh, Bahasa Indonesia. Oh, wow. Okay. Mm. Well yes. done. Yeah. Mm. <laughs> so, it's interesting that you bring up language because you are also the chairman of the Speak Good English movement. I so, am. Uh, yeah. Yes. I, someone told me that. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Which is what we want to talk about here today. I mean, yeah. what, okay. what does it mean to be the chairman of the Speak Good English movement? Uh, what motivated you to take on the role? When I was approached to consider this role in 2018, I was quite taken aback. Mm. Um, uh, I n- nothing nothing in my um, portfolio of work would suggest that I was suitable for <laughs> this role. Yeah. Um, um, but but as it turned out, um, I, I mean, uh, life has a way of nudging you along in a certain direction, right? Um, mm-hmm. Twenty eighteen was a year of change for me. Mm-hmm. Um, I had just moved into a new company, uh, working uh, in a new sector. Um, and I was also in a frame of mind where I wanted to pursue more community-related work after ma- many, many years of serving my own career and my own needs. Right. There, mm-hmm. there comes a point in your life where you yeah. think, okay, you want to give back, right? Mm-hmm. Um, as cliche as that may sound, but <laughs> it 
it did happen in 2018. So when the call came and, and, and the question was asked, I said, okay, this sounds like community work. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure who the audience is, um, but I'm in, in, I'm in a really open frame of mind. Mm-hmm. And the, the tenure was for two years, right? That was the worst that could happen. Right. Um, so I, I took it on. And then I realized that the, the, the role uh, played to my strengths. Mm. Um, quite by accident, um, because because the, the 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 fundamentals don't change, and this is this is where I answer your first question, right? Mm-hmm. Um, what does it mean to be the chair of this movement? Mm-hmm. The fundamentals don't change. It's it's always been the chair and and the steering committee have the job of increasing awareness of the importance of mm-hmm. of speaking good English, and then encouraging Singaporeans to use more good English, right? But over the years, unfortunately, the movement had uh, taken on a bit of baggage, Mm -hmm. um, as as I'm sure you'll want to discuss with me later. You know, the the perception that it it wasn't supportive of Singlish, Mm -hmm. the the, the perception that it judges uh, people who... It puts people in two buckets, right? Those who speak good English, those who are really bad at English. Yes, yes. And so that there, there was a need. Then I coming into the role, I realized that there was a need to refresh the branding and marketing mm. um, of this movement. Yeah, um, and branding and marketing uh, are what I do for a living. Right, right. Um, it probably was the wisdom of the uh, of of. The people who asked me um, <laughs> that they saw some synergy here, um, mm-hmm. it wasn't immediately obvious, but when I came into the role, I thought, okay, this is a job I can do. Mm-hmm. This is the job that interests me. And um, and this is a job that s- does serve the community because I think that that all of that perception and the criticisms of the movement were, were adding noise um, of was just adding distractions and noise for people who really want help, mm, right? Right. Um, and and today, um, we we rem- we go out and I go out and we remind the people that a we are not a movement that 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 judges. Mm-hmm. We have never said we we don't go out and say what is good, what is bad. We tell you what is standard mm. and what is non-standard and what is broken. And if you are a learner of English, just know that there's a difference. Mm-hmm. If you speak Singlish, more power to you. I speak Singlish too. Yeah. Um, but but if but but it helps to know the difference if you want to learn the language. Mm. Um, so we, we go out there and, and help people understand that we are just about raising awareness. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then more than that, we also are tips providers, resource providers. So if you are a willing learner mm-hmm. and a, a person willing to listen to what we have to say, mm-hmm. then here are places you can find help mm-hmm. uh, with your English. So, so there are people out there. Um, um, we know because over time, We have had people come and say, okay, this resonates with me. I understand what you're saying. This is useful. Mm -hmm. So we know there's a a, a demand. Um, But previously, you know, that those criticisms, those those noises Mm -hmm. were probably kind of putting a distance between us and those people who needed help or or making making them think that we are 
this judgy outfit that they want they don't want to associate <laughs> with, right? Yes. So yes. I, I'm I'm hoping over time, and I'm I I do think it's happening over time. Mm-hmm. We 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 want to be able to clear the air for yeah. people, mm. as it were. Mm. Do you reckon that journey has been tough? Since starting, because, you know, I mean, um, for the longest time, we've always heard of the Speak Good English campaign. And personally, I've always thought hmm. of it as, uh, yeah, you can inject a bit of Singlish here and there, but ultimately you want to be understood, right? Because we are such a uh, cosmopolitan city. We have connections to so many other countries as well. To me, it has always been a matter of being understood, communicating your ideas and your thoughts. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, it's... To your question about whether it's been tough, my answer is yes on and no, mm, right? Mm. Um, it's it's not been tough because I'm very clear what the movement needs to stand for. Mm. I'm very clear what people need to hear us say, right? Right. So all that I've told you is what I've said consistently. So I have a job to do. I have a mission that I believe in. So it's about being focused on that and going mm. out with the message. So mm. you can say what you want. I know what <laughs> my deal is. Yes, right? yes, yeah. yes. Yeah. Uh-huh. So that that makes it easy. Mm. Um, but at the same time, it's also it's been tough because I come into this on the back of a lot of the hard work and 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 achievements of my predecessors, mm-hmm. um, and. Um, I never want my predecessors to feel like the, the you know the perceptions, the criticisms were of their doing. It wasn't mm, right, right, but right. but the public will want to perceive it that way. Mm. Um, so it, so I, I I I'm always very careful to go out there and say, listen, um, the movement has never stood for what you said. Yeah, um, right, we right. stood for, but but there is. But I recognize, uh, some, mm. as somebody in the communications business, I recognize how conversations take on a life of their own, um, and then it becomes the truth, mm. right? Yeah. So, so I do, I do feel badly about it. So that's <laughs> so uh, at an emotional level, that's tough. Right. Yeah. Right. So mm. the, uh, there's an interesting thing that we read that um, you didn't speak a word of English till you entered like primary school. So uh, can you tell us about that whole learning process? What was that like? Sure. Um, um, So this is based on my recall of my childhood. Um, If my mother hears this, she might call in and protest. (laughs) So I can guarantee that she won't. Um, I do remember that when I was a kid, um, um, I spent most... Because my 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 parents have um, always been working parents. Huh? Mm. My mom's a, a, a career girl, mm. um, so I I spend more time with my both sets of grandparents than I did with my own parents. Right? Ah. As I think, as I think, um, many kids of my age of my generation did. Mm. So I, I wasn't um, wasn't very um, special that way. Mm-hmm. But what it meant was that I spoke a lot of dialects mm-hmm. uh, and I learned dialects um, before I learned the, the, the formal schooling languages right. like English and Mandarin. Mm-hmm. Um, I do remember um, that um, when I went to primary school, I, I went to Queenstown Primary School, day one, um, I, was, I was just traumatized because <laughs> I was surrounded by... Um, uh, teachers who spoke this language that 
I could hardly understand, right? Uh, yeah. And I might have, again, based on child of recall of my own childhood, I might have run to my paternal grandfather saying, "I want to go home in Hakka." Right, right, right. right. Um, so um, it was it was actually very tough, but I have to say, um, I did get help, and I had a few lucky breaks, and I got luck. I mean, I got lucky uh, at various points in my. Um, uh, primary school years mm. so one lucky break uh, was the fact that I have an aunt who was educated in Singapore Chinese girls school um, and I, I, I've said it before in an interview that um, the reason she went to an English stream school was because she was a girl oh and at that point and at that point um, uh, if you come from a very conventional Chinese family mm. that, that sent the, the kids to vernacular Chinese schools, the boys went there because that, that was real education. Right, right. Mm. Right? Mm-hmm. Uh, and, then, and then if you're an afterthought, then, but, but still you know, need to be educated, okay, okay, I'll send you <laughs> to an English school. Right, right. right. But the irony was that um, she turned out to, 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 to have been more competitive in, in the workplace later on when she grew up, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, in any case, this was this was an aunt who understood the value of English, mm. understood English, yep. understood the value of English, also saw that I was struggling, also mm-hmm. saw that my childhood, I was growing up actually not reading. Mm. And she, she was a big believer in, in, in reading and yes. the value of books. Yes. She herself has, has two daughters who were voracious readers because she just fed them books, right? right. So she thought, you know, um, how hard is it to just add one more and give me give me books by Enid Enid Blyton. I mean, yes. in my time, mm-hmm. um, I don't even know if today's kids know what Enid, who Enid Blyton is, but <laughs> right. that's what we were reading, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, The Magic mm-hmm. Far Away Tree, Far Away Tree, um, um, uh, Famous Five. Yeah, I, yeah. Um, so the so th- those were the books I, I I was reading, and and we were competing with one another to finish to be the first to finish books, to be mm. the first to read however many number of books a year. Right. And right. that helped that one upmanship type of reading <laughs> uh, helped a kid like me. Uh, be- mm. Because um, to some extent, I'm quite, I'm quite competitive, but, but oh. actually, actually more, more than that, um, I don't like to be shamed. Oh, so right, that was right. what, that was what kept me going. I don't yeah. think anybody yes. likes to be shamed. No, that, yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So that's, that gives me, I always turn shame into motivation, right? Mm. So maybe that's what, that's what uh, helps. That what that's what helped me, yes. um, kind of pull pull my socks up. <laughs> it's an interesting um, point that you brought up, though, about quote unquote maybe that sphere of influence. If you're always hanging around a certain type of people who only speak a certain way, then you, you might only you know speak that language. For example, right? For example, your mm-hmm. uh, grandparents. And uh, for me, it was because of the influence of television. I used to only watch English television, um, and at the time, it was mostly American television shows in Singapore uh, when I was growing up. Um, but then you know you see the rise of like very famous shows that rely heavily on Singlish and then it becomes sort of, oh yeah, this is quote-unquote our identity, right? Um, Do you see that as sort of, you know, something that coexists with speaking good English? I most certainly do. Mm. Um, I, it's a, it's a way of life. I mean, for me, um, like you, uh, I grew grew up um, with certain iconic, children's programs that mm. taught me good 
or standard English, right, yes, of, yes. of our time. Mm-hmm. Um, and again, my my aunt and her daughters were instrumental in in push nudging me that way. So I grew up watching the Electric Company, mm. Sesame Street, Muppet yes. Show, The Flintstones. Yep. Um, I I. So, so you know uh, roughly how old I am. <laughs> so, <laughs> I, I watch those shows as well. So, yeah, yeah. that's our generation. I, I yeah, yeah, I, I, I love them. But I mean, look along the way. Um, I just want to remind your listeners that when I was growing up in the seventies, mm. um, I had never even heard of the term, the concept "singlish." Mm. Yeah, mm-hmm. we talk about "singlish" today, like it has existed. Um, um, forever and and it's a, a it's a fact to be taken for granted. I mean, mm. huh? You don't know where what English is and where it came from. Right. Where, what plan are you from? We 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 almost have that kind of reaction. Mm-hmm. But when I was growing up uh, in the seventies, um, nobody ever talked about English. It mm. evolved. I I believe it evolved as an academic subject. Right. And and the, the the linkage to cultural, social, national identity was an academic discussion in the eighties. I remember because I was in the media, and then there was mm. this whole um, this 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 period of time when when this topic got discussed, right? Right, right. And then and then over time, lo and behold, it became integral to who we are. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, uh, it's it's not to say that I don't think they coexist, mm-hmm. but. But we shouldn't talk about it like, like it's in our blood. It was always there, right? right? Yeah, it's it's actually to some extent an invented concept, mm, right? Mm. Um, uh, but do I subscribe to it today? Yes, I do. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because um, um, I also f- I also have experienced how Singlish has brought me closer to people. Yes. Um, it's a connector. Mm-hmm. Uh, it helps me connect with with um, uh, people from different backgrounds, different ethnic groups, different professional um, uh, people from different professional tracks. Right. Yes, so yes. I see the power English has in connecting people. Mm. Yeah. Um, but I'm able to see that um, vis-a-vis the fact that I am now a fairly good English user. Mm-hmm. Right. Yes. Um, the I can tell the difference between English, Singlish, broken English, right. and I can code switch. If you want me to speak broken English, I also can. <laughs> right? Um, I am mindful, very mindful of the fact, especially now that I'm in this role, that there are people who sp- who only speak English or mm. only speak broken English. That's right. Yeah. Um, um, and they don't even know that mm. this is not um, good. This is not good standard English. Right, this yeah. is just the English they know, mm. and then they are to- and then they are they they are equipped with the rhetoric, the narrative that this is this is what Singaporean this is this is the way Singapore should be. This is yeah. what Singa- Singaporeans represent, and I don't think that's right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they, these are folks who. Um, don't know the difference mm-hmm. may not be re- may be disadvantaged because they they can only speak broken English or mm-hmm. or Singlish. Uh, they they may be given an opportunity to go and improve themselves, but they are pummeled with these messages to say, "Hey, it's wrong to reject Singlish." You know, this is part of our national identity. It's in right. our blood. You know, right, right. Yeah, yeah I, I feel like it is more of a you know it, it gives flavor to. 
It's like, okay, let me draw an analogy with food, right? You need the basic, you need the meats, the rice and the vegetables, but then maybe just a local flair, that's maybe what the Singlish is. So you you can't just be eating the pepper. You just can't be eating the chili. You still need the meat so that you get the complete meal. Is that a good analogy? Um... Yeah, um, yeah, to some extent. Um, although in my mind, I'm thinking, okay, uh, more along these lines. Um, hmm. You are always eating. You are always eating fatty meat, right? <laughs> uh, or the fatty cuts. And there is literature out there telling you that the healthier options mm. include grains, lean meats, small fish, and you don't you 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 don't know the difference between good nutrition and bad nutrition, uh, right? Okay, okay. But, but constantly you are being pummeled by messages and friends and family who say, "Come on lah, our our people eat fatty meat. We're eating it for generations. You know, nothing's been wrong with us. Right. What's wrong with you? <laughs> right? Yes, that's yes. what I object to." But ah. I have no problems eating fatty meat and lean meat at the same time. There you go. Much yeah. better analogy. There you go. Um, okay, so we also read that you lived and worked in the US and China previously. Now, is there a difference in the way English is being used in different countries? Let's see. I want to focus on what is similar about them first. Okay, sure. Because, yeah. when, I was, because when I lived in both places, that's what struck me. Uh-huh. Um, in China, when I... I was there from the year 2000 and by by the time I left, it was 2011, I think. Yes, 2011. Um, And I could, I I could follow the, 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 the the English craze, right? Mm -hmm. The the craze to learn English because 2000 was the year China formally joined the World Trade Organization. The economy really opened up. Mm -hmm. And so these outside influences began to, 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 to be introduced to Chinese society. And then the Chinese, um, realized the value of English um, mm. in business, in commerce, in culture, and in connecting yep. with people across the board, across borders and cultures. Mm. Um, they, what was, what struck me um, was that um, how pervasive American English was. Mm. Yeah. And still is today. Yes. So, so, so the, what the first similarity is that, in America and in China, American English is used. Yeah? <laughs> right, right, right. They would they would spell color without the u, mm-hmm. humor without the u, which incidentally is uh, the version I use. Oh, okay. Yeah. yeah. So in 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 my professional and, prof- and personal life, I use American English. Oh, right? okay. Yeah. Is there a reason uh, for that? Um, that choice. I, I I used to work in the American media. It started oh. there. Um. I've I've just I've just discovered that it's so much more convenient to do that. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Okay. Why Why add one one more letter when you can you you can do without it? Yeah. Yeah. One less keystroke, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yes. Um. Yeah. So one similarity is they both use American English. Mm. Um, and the other similarity is that that when uh, that the english accent um is not standard and consistent throughout both countries yes right mm-hmm. they have regional accents uh in 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 the us just as there are regional english accents across china mm-hmm. um so it does not make sense to go curate people's regional accents right um and and that and it's not a meaningful exercise mm. um it it's it's more meaningful to 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 tell to help them become mm-hmm. aware of 
what is what is standard, what is what is non-standard yes. um, um, grammar, for mm-hmm. instance, mm-hmm. right? Um, and by all means, use both if you want, but understand the context for right. each. Yeah. So, so th- these two were the biggest similarities. Now, mm-hmm. the difference is, um, and my and and, and I wouldn't. I don't want to point out a linguistic difference because that's not what um, I picked up. Um, it's more the cultural differences mm-hmm. in China in the early years when when a Chinese discovered that you could speak English. Yes, the, um, the reaction you get from them is re- admiration, right? Uh, and a and and a hunger to want to learn from you because they really really wanted to master English, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, I mean, I, I think it's not the same today because so many people in China have mastered English. That's right. But then, then there was there was a lot of positive, um, um, just unvarnished positive admiration for you. Mm-hmm. In the US, the reaction is a little bit more curious when they realize that you speak good English. They would say, um, "You speak such good English. <laughs> you know, where did you learn it?" Yes. Um, and I like to say it's curiosity, but make, but it's more the hmm. Mm. Uh, I'm very surprised that this is that this is even possible. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Right? Yes, yes. Yeah. So so that for me culturally, mm-hmm. um, what uh, that in in the way they responded to good English speakers, mm-hmm. um, um, that was more stark to me. Mm. I. I mean, from personal experience as well, I realized that when I was younger and even just a few years ago, when I would speak to people and meet new people, they would say, oh, are you Singaporean? Because you, you speak so well, which was a little bit of a, like, almost like a slap in the face, if you know what I mean. Backhanded compliment, right? Yeah, a little bit. Yeah. But now when I look at the kids, and, and this must make you feel good as well, I feel like a lot of them do speak English very well and they're very articulate. They can put their point across and things like that. Um, hmm. What do you think that is because? Do you think it's because, you know, the access to the internet so that uh, people can, you know, consume media from just about everywhere and if they want to learn, it's so much easier to access information like this? I think it's the reason is quite simple. We hmm. have had my generation... Um, became a generation of predominantly English speakers, mm-hmm. producing children to whom we speak mostly or only English. Ah, uh, yes. And then they they hear English in the at home. They hear mm-hmm. English in um, in the mass media. They use English in social media. Yeah. And they they're not distracted by a second or third language. Right. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, so the the formal education system might encourage bilingualism and more, mm-hmm. but their own lived experience is by and large monolingual. Mm-hmm. I I think, but I mean then 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 the upside of monolingual environments is that they really then get to master the, that language. Mm. Right. So for those who are keen to improve their command of the English language, how, how is the Speak Good English movement relevant to them? How can they tap on the resources? What kind of resources do you provide? When I first joined the movement, I had thought that we appealed to only willing learners. Mm. Over time, and this is my second term, right, as, yep. as the chair, um, so I've experienced two, slightly more than two years of the movement. I've realized that we also appeal to professional types Mm -hmm. because we do have workshops um, that help them use uh, language in business context. Mm. At at the same time, we also appeal to the literary types 
uh, we've invited um, storytellers to come uh, on social media yes. to present uh, early drafts, right, of their of their uh, of their literature mm-hmm. or published literature. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, and then finally we have a third group which has always been the mainstay. Um, Willing learners of mm-hmm. good and standard English um, who um, need resources from us, and they can find um, resources on our Facebook page. We we do have a uh, the movement has a Facebook page. Mm-hmm. We've started an Instagram account, um, and and I found that to be really powerful um, for picking up very quick tips about everyday words or right. or, or eccentric, lesser known expressions mm-hmm. that that I myself. Never knew about so. Right. Um. So go to our go to our Instagram account, and we've we've got many um, videos mm-hmm. that that also teach the use of um. I I hate to say teach because it's so didactic, but yeah. um to present mm-hmm. certain situations where it's obvious the 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 lack of standard English kind of cause confusion, mm. right? So and and done in a humorous way, humor. The people don't like to, uh, didacticism. Didacticism. Yep. So, humor is how we overcome it. And then, lastly, we work with quite a lot of partners. YMCA, Practice Theatre. Um, mm. They are the ones who then have forums, workshops that we support, and in that way, we reach the grassroots. Language, uh, English language, like any other language, is a living, breathing thing. And often, when I look at the internet, you know, um, so many terms shortened versions of words, things come up all the time, right? Um, do you keep up with, you know, the young speak or the, the memes and um, the new terms that pop out? Um, uh, I don't actively keep up <laughs> with with them. I yeah. mean, I'm aware of them. I, mm-hmm. I, I do have uh, millennial friends who, uh. who don't end sentences with uh, full stops because <laughs> it's just not the millennial thing to do. It's really uncool, right? Yeah. Um, it dates you, so it, so I, I I insist on it, and I, I get laughed at all the time. <laughs> right. But so be it. Mm-hmm. It's my it's my generation is my generational marker, and it's I, and I insist upon it. Ah, right. right. Yeah, but I don't. I will not stop you from not putting a full stop at the end. Um, I tend to spell all my words. I mm-hmm. don't use abbreviations. Mm-hmm. Um, um, strangely. In the, when I was younger, I, mm. I, I wasn't so opposed to <laughs> um, abbreviations, right? Sure. Um, yeah. But now that I'm, and now uh, with H, I also find that I'm forgetting how to spell some words. Uh, so I force myself to spell words in full. And right. in that way also, I'm very starkly different from the younger set. Mm. I mean, there is text speak, net speak. Um, I, I, they send me their version. I send them my version. I call this um, uh, cultural exchange. Right, right. That's a great way of looking at it. So just one more question before we let you go. What is the importance of improving our command of English and the use of good English in our daily lives? I see the benefits uh, from many levels, right? Um, mm-hmm. For myself, uh, the most immediate one that I can think of is uh, it has given me great career opportunities. Mm-hmm. Um and because of um, the work that I do in, 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 in comms and marketing, um, being able to speak and write English clearly has helped me, helped me kind of rise up the ranks. Mm. So 
it 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 does help you professionally yes. yeah and yeah. commercially i i find that hard to quarrel with if you're ambitious and you want to do well um don't diss the importance of good english yes. right then on a personal level um it helps you connect with um another person that may not have a lot of um um common reference points to you mm-hmm. except english language mm. right you could be working in a, in a multinational company or have a friend uh, or got to know a friend in ireland mm. yeah yeah you you sound very different you have different cultural values That's right. but the way to access one another's backgrounds mm-hmm. is through english yes yeah um and they wouldn't and you can you uh, look i use english i support um singlish you know as as a way of life but mm-hmm. you can't expect your your irish friend to access you immediately and know what you're trying to tell them if all they hear is singlish exactly and and, and all you do is explaining to them what you're trying to say right right yeah. yeah locally it may english may be the way to connect with somebody um from a different ethnic group mm-hmm. um although although i i find that not so persuasive because we can we 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 connect um through singlish pretty well yes. and powerfully right. but one aspect that i think english really helps connect singaporeans um it, that's really beneficial for connecting singaporeans is intergenerationally oh yes because there is that generation of singaporeans the the old, older ladies and gentlemen mm. who insist who are brought up with proper english <laughs> and proper manners yes yeah yes. and and they are the eldest that um want you mm-hmm. to to engage them at that level and in order to um you know in order to connect with them mm-hmm. um at a personal emotional level and to, and to show respect uh, yeah. you don't want to be using singlish and broken english that's right they that's they right. frown upon it yes yes yeah uh so thank you so much for taking the time out to speak with us today i know you're very busy so no i've really enjoyed talking with you yeah it yeah. has been so much fun so uh once again thank you and uh what are if you could review anything uh, uh plans <laughs> for next year you, you know what the speak good english movement is up to is there anything we can look forward to or is it you know, yeah. still under wraps for now um we 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 had planned an anniversary event this year a physical mm, one yes and that wasn't possible due to covid right now we're back to the drawing board to see if we can stage mm. uh, an anniversary event not nothing is fixed yet ah. because because we don't know what 2021 will look like right, right, right. the vaccine could solve all all of our woes mm-hmm. or it could be status quo so so it's hard for me to put the word out there and then <laughs> and then and then have people and then I have the public commit yeah. me to it yeah. <laughs> but suffice to say um we are hoping mm. that conditions will improve enough for us to do something related to the anniversary milestone that we want to celebrate mm. yeah there you go and yeah. we definitely are looking forward to it so once again thank you sir for your time and uh yeah we can't wait to see what else you have in store for us Thank Thanks you so much. Thanks, Jackie. Thanks, Yang. <laughs> and there you have it. That's Jason Liao. He's the chairman of the Speak Good English movement. What a fascinating guy, and also uh, great to dispel some of the misconceptions that people may or may not have about the movement that we've sort of grown up with right here in Singapore, right? 
Oh, most definitely. And you know, I love that we got the chance to talk to him because not only is it important to speak English in this day and age, but it's important to speak good English. At oh that, yeah. yeah, in this global economy, mm-hmm. it opens up a lot of opportunities for us. In yeah. any case, as always, thank you so much for joining us on the podcast. And if you've been regularly downloading and listening to the podcast, hey, we appreciate your time. We appreciate your company. 2021 is right around the corner. Unless you're listening to this after 2021, then hey, Happy New Year. But as we approach the brand new year, I just want to say we have some really interesting guests and perhaps a new format for the podcast coming up in the new year. Stick around, find out more. You can always follow us on our socials for more information. I'm at Power98, Mr. Young. And I'm at Power98, Jackie. That's J-A-C-Q-U-I. See you in 2021. Oh, for the love.